You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir... I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is, in fact, the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, please feel free to do so. Just call 608-501-0718. No big deal. Leave a message and we'll get to your call. That number again, 608-501-0718. We do have at least one new caller. So let's start with that. We're all set. Yes, we already go. Hey, Ryan. First time caller. This hey. Is Kyle from Madison. Love the show. Thanks. Hey, a couple things, man. Um, everybody needs somebody to blame. They're mad that, that Rogers didn't get that ring. You want to blame somebody? I think. How about we blame the coaches that decided to mysteriously shuffle our offensive line? Yeah. Right before the Buccaneers game, having just successfully defeated the Rams, let's shuffle that up before the biggest game in ten years. As if that's not you know bad enough, let's do it again before the San Francisco game because we didn't learn our lesson. Um, there's a good starting point as far as the front office hatred. Give me a break. This guy comes in, he, he pries open a championship window that is firmly shut in 2018, slams that baby open, and keeps it open as long as he can. Just just sticking that crowbar in there for one more year, keep that window open, even if there's only like a 10 15% chance last year. All right, Gutekunst isn't perfect, but give me a break. Okay, point two. I love how the national media kills Rodgers for two years about these OTAs. Should he or shouldn't he? I'm not saying either way. Would have been nice. But they kill him, and that's the reason the Packers are garbage. And now suddenly as he's going to the Jets, Jets have all the leverage. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to go to the OTAs. He can jump in there two days before the week one game. He knows the offense. What a bunch of garbage. Third, why is it, if you're the Patriots, why aren't you calling Brian Gutekind's? No, even with no intention of actually wanting Aaron Rodgers, why aren't you on the phone to Goot so that you can leak that to the media? I mean, you've got the 14th pick. You've got your rivals, the Jets, picking before you, and they might just acquire Aaron Rodgers. Why wouldn't you try to throw the leverage to the Packers if you're the New England Patriots and see if you can get Woody Johnson to do some bedwetting? A 
about maybe you might jump in and take Aaron Rodgers. All right, buddy. Keep up the good work. I like that. Some espionage. That's pretty smart, man. Go to Kunst. If you, you or any of the boys are listening, get on that horn. Talk to the Patriots. Just be like, look, man. You want to screw over the Jets? Help us to get that 13. We'll get your rivals out of the way. Listen, the AFC East right now, which has been dominated by the Patriots forever, is now firmly in the grasp of the Buffalo Bills, has been for a couple years. Now Miami is ascending, and the Jets are on the verge of trading for Aaron Rodgers. The Patriots are looking to be sitting comfortably in that basement. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm just, I'm just pointing out what it, you know, how it appears as an outsider looking in. But if Aaron Rodgers comes in and it's Rodgers and Lazard and, you know, the Jets, I don't know. I could see you getting that defense revved up to play Rodgers and Lazard and taking that away. But that pick 13 is a threat, man. Wouldn't you rather the Packers have it out in the Midwest? Get that, whoever that player is, get him out of there. Yeah, and, and honestly, you don't even need to necessarily pick up a phone to leak false information to the media to just say the Patriots have made phone calls to the Packers regarding Aaron Rodgers. Packers are apparently eyeing up pick 14 if the Jets are not willing to give up 13. Rumor has it that Patriots might be interested. That's not a bad, not a bad thing, man. Tennessee's still a big question mark at quarterback. They're at pick 11. I know there isn't that rivalry necessarily, but they're both AFC. Couldn't hurt to maybe get a little bit of the word out. Could Tennessee swoop in, steal Rodgers? And then, yeah, as far as your other points, you know, the uh, the offensive line thing is, is certainly an issue. I know the Packers were trying to figure out how to go about doing stuff, but, yeah, I don't think anybody agreed with the idea to just switch everything up last minute. I, I really think that that comes down to their freaking obsession with Billy Turner. Just could not let it go. Determined to prove to the world and everybody else that he was just this great elite, wonderful player, so we just got to put him at left tackle, and that blew up right in our face. And yeah, as I've said before, and I don't know if I've gone in detail yet, but somebody was arguing with me about, you know, it's the GM's fault for not getting his players, and my contention, which is, you know, you don't win 13 games because you have bad football players. You win 13 games because you have good football players, and you keep losing in the playoffs because the good football players stop playing good football, and that's not the GM's fault. That doesn't make any sense, and I I used as evidence, I went back and looked at Aaron Rodgers' last five uh, final games. He had one one good game in five years, and it was in 2020. That's it. Four out of his last five, I think his highest was like a 62 PFF grade. That's not good enough. And it's not just Rodgers. I'm that's that's what the team was doing generally, but him in particular. When you are the leader of the team, you're the top dog, you're the guy that's expected to do all these things. You are, especially in Lambeau Field, Aaron Rodgers in the snow, unstoppable for him to just come up short, for the offensive line to completely fall apart, for our pass rush to go to zero. I mean, it's just every single year, all these elite components that got us to 13 wins, the switch just gets flipped off. So blame the players, blame the coaches, blame the culture, blame the locker room, blame whatever. Gutekunst is the one variable that I just I don't see any real connection to. Rodgers, Lafleur, even injuries if you want to go that route with Bakhtiari or whatever, but Gutekunst? <laughs> and yeah, you're right, the, the, he doesn't need to show up. Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to, probably won't, 
but should he? Do you think maybe it would be a good idea? Do you think maybe the players want it? You think the fans want it? Do you think it's important if they're going to expend this much money on a guy for one year that maybe they want him to be there whenever possible to try to, you know, put a good product on the field? Maybe? Just a thought? I know it was like immediately after, but as soon as I got off the phone, my thought process just kept going on. <laughs> you know, man, you got lucky. You can, you know, Ryan, you can go on for like an hour and yeah. nobody stops you. Right. <laughs> There's this time you sit and want to talk Packers and, oh. <laughs> so the, the continuation on that I was think, just thinking is, you know, Mark Murphy is the guy that hired these two guys. Mark Murphy is going to be gone in two years and he knows it. Yeah. I believe that's what it is, two years. What incentive does he have to get rid of either the head coach or the GM? I'm pretty sure our head coach and GM can feel pretty secure in their job until Mark Murphy goes and the new president comes in. So that's something we all should think about with what the team's going to do and how they're going to build. Our GM and head coach are probably the most secure GM and head coach in the league Right now, you know, because the guy that hired him has no incentive to get rid of him. None. You know, so just just let's, let's all think of this as a, we're going to build in two years. We can use our draft picks to build the team, put deep talent on the team, not worry about the stud talent because, by the way, and also, I don't think sometimes you get depth talent, and that depth talent turns into stud talent. I mean, nobody thought Bakhtiari was going to be stud talent. He was supposed to be depth talent, and he was a stud. Um, go back in time, Donald Driver was way depth talent, turned into a stud. You know, so let's let's be clear. Let's aim at depth talent, real high quality depth talent. You know, out of its range, depth talent, and see if we can build something kind of cool, man. We got a lot of room to work. We got so much leverage to do so much. Wow, I'm, I, I'm Ryan. I'm getting more and more excited about this offseason. The more possibilities I think, with the freshness and newness of what we're doing, man, we could really turn this into another big run team. You know, even if it's not with, like you said, not the superstar quarterback, we got a above-average quarterback with a stud team built around him. And, and yeah, we get a couple of Super Bowl runs in with this. Great deal, man. Good talk to y'all. Get off this phone again. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, I, the one thought I had is maybe he was kind of pushing from the top to keep Aaron Rodgers around because he wanted to get one more while he was there. Um, I don't think he would really cross that line. But who knows? Maybe, maybe he would. I, I have no idea. As far as not firing Goot and Lafleur, I mean, I would say it's unlikely because it, it, I don't even know if it's two years. Let's just assume it's two years. I don't want to look it up. If he has one, if the, if the Packers have one really, really bad year, that's kind of his one opportunity to fire everybody, right? Because if it's two bad years, you kind of just kick back and let the other person take over, right? Why would you be the one to hire the new GM and hire the new coach and then have somebody else come in? They may have a different 
vision idea, whatever. So you'd want that to be their first act to uh, to do something like that. I guess the question is, if the team goes all the way to zero, is he going to just let it ride and just be like, nah, screw it? Or would he try to fix the problem? I kind of feel like he... I mean, if he genuinely felt, let's just say they've been talking Goot and uh, Murphy, and they've been saying, I don't know if Matt's the guy. He doesn't have the personality. He doesn't have this, that, or the other. You know, the the scheme is evolving away from this. We want to find somebody like that, 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 that. And the team falls off, and you can clearly see that they're not buying into Matt LaFleur. Would, you know, and and Gutekunst's position is, we need to find a new head coach. Would Murphy say, nah, let's just wait a couple years until I'm gone? I don't think so. I think if that's the decision, they would just make that decision. But I don't know. And yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm not going to hold uh, super high expectations at this point, but I don't have low expectations either. This is just kind of a fact-finding mission. I don't really know what we have in a coach. I don't know what we have in a quarterback. I don't know what we have at wide receiver or tight end. Not really sure what defensive tackle is going to look like with Wyatt and then losing Reed and having to probably add in more people. Not sure what safety is looking like. So, I mean, I, I don't know who our kicker is lots and lots of stuff to figure out here but it's like i've said a thousand times with with different things everything's kind of a coin flip you know not necessarily exactly 50 50 but you you put odds on stuff what are the odds that jordan love is uh you know great good mediocre subpar bad terrible what are the odds christian watson what are the odds da what are what da, 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 all the odds and you know if they all skew positive it's gonna be a good year if they skew negative kind of like last year it was same thing but things tended to skew negative. So we had a bad season. So I don't know. We'll see how she goes. Hey, Pack Daddy. Hey. Um, it's funny. I use my Siri to call you. I say call Pack Daddy. And I have the Indian voice. And he says, calling Pack Dandy. <laughs> it's a dandy day today. Um, Elijah Moore got traded for a second round pick, which seems interesting to the rest of Packers Nation as well as me. Um, Stacking up ammo to get A-Rod. Um, as far as your voice messages go, what you want to do is you want to go into your voicemail box and you can change your, um, it's called the envelope uh, presentation or something like that. You can you make it shorter. You can just turn it off where it won't say the, the date, the name, and the entire phone number and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just go in there and look for envelope settings or something like that. All right. Talk to you later. Sorry, just kind of blowing my mind here. Say that, say that again for me, nice and slow. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what it means, but I turned envelope something or another off. So hopefully that just uh, saved me a whole bunch of time, and I'll actually listen to my voicemails without grunting and groaning the whole freaking time. So I uh, appreciate the call. Thank you. Now I just need somebody to call and leave me a message so I can make sure that it works. Hey Ryan. Oh, hey. Oh. Not to okay. bust your balls, but Okey-doke. I think you might have missed some calls back around like March 10th, but maybe uh, March don't play this part of my voicemail if you need to just keep trucking. I know you said you're behind, but I'm not upset, but just let me know. Um, also, I just wanted to comment on, on catching up so and everything after Baby Boy joined us and uh, Roger's comment on Pat McAfee. And talking about how, you know, Ted Thompson's not there, all these guys aren't there. I would just like to give a friendly reminder to Mr. Roger that uh, Goody's been there longer than he has. So I looked it up, and I think it said Goody had been there since, like, 98. 
So Goody's been through this transition of quarterbacks, and he's seen a lot more than Rodgers, I think, is remembering. And he learned from Ted Thompson. So all these guys that Rodgers is praising now, right? that's it. Goody's acting just like Ted Thompson did for a long right. time. He, he, you know, I mean, he's taking a modern approach, but I don't think Rodgers should be surprised. This has been kind of status quo for how the Packers operate, and that's why they hired Goody's. They wanted to keep things going the same way that it's gone in the past. And um, I also think Rodgers forgets, you know, he praises all these guys now, but I think he was upset with some of those guys, Ted Thompson stuff towards the end of their career yep. to help you get and all that. Um, you know, if you were going to argue that any of Rodgers' talent was wasted, I think you could argue the last couple of years of Ted Thompson was maybe more than anything that we didn't surround him with enough talent. But anyways, that's all I got. Yeah, I still don't fully understand what he was even getting at. I mean, he clearly was making some kind of a uh, claim that, you know, well, I was I was brought on by a different regime, and then he talked about how great these guys were. You know, look, at this guy went on to be a GM, and this guy. So these are all these great guys, and those are the guys that are um, were there when I came on, and now they're all gone. And I don't know if that was mostly just to say that it's sort of a new regime who wants, you know, um, you know, they want their guys to kind of come in and I'm not his guy. This isn't the guy that drafted me. So that's the reason we're moving on. Or if it was simply a matter of those guys were all stars and these guys are a bunch of rookie idiots who don't know what they're doing. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. But, um, yeah, in, in all reality, what would Ted Thompson do right now? The only thing I question as far as, far as the difference between Ted Thompson and Brian Gutekunst is if Ted Thompson wouldn't would have given him that contract to begin with, if he wouldn't have been gone a long time ago. Reggie McKenzie, Elliot Wolf, John Schneider. By the way, John Schneider, the guy that traded away Russell Wilson, the franchise quarterback, the greatest quarterback in franchise history, while he's still playing at a relatively high level in Seattle. But the guy wants a lot of money. He will not shut up about being unsatisfied and unhappy. Constantly talking about wanting to be traded, want this, want that. So you know what he did? Traded him away. Not a big fan of Schneider and what he's done over the years as far as drafting is concerned and watching that team go to zero. But he's still a Ted Thompsonite. He's still a Wolfer. That's what he is to his core. And he's not afraid to give away guys like Russell Wilson. He's not going to cling to him. I'm sorry. I don't care who you think would have stuck around here. And by the way, you know what's funny? If Gutekunst had been the one to go get hired somewhere else as a GM and Elliot Wolf was here... Elliot Wolf would have done the same thing. And he would have been talking about how back in the day, I, I, there was a different crew here. We had da 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 We had Brian Gutekunst who was here. He went off to go somewhere else. It's the same thing. So I, I don't understand what, what point he was trying to get at with that, honestly. Other than just sort of a backhand to Brian Gutekunst and the staff that's here right now. Which, you know, you, you look at... Uh, the fact that apparently the organization doesn't really like Aaron Rodgers very much, and you can kind of see why. He just has no respect for this group. He doesn't respect anybody. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect them to be super thrilled to bring him back, this guy that looks down on you and thinks you're a goober. By the way, Seth, I see that you called twice on March 10th. If we didn't play it, I don't know why we wouldn't have, but um, is it possible that I did the show in the AM as a call-in show and you missed that? Because sometimes I do that. I might even do it tomorrow. I don't want to replay it because very good chance we've already heard it and I wouldn't remember, so I would just play it and act like nothing else changed and everyone else would just be super annoyed. But anyways, if I did miss your call, I apologize. They're both grayed out. I mean, if it was one, I would say, yeah, I probably messed that up because sometimes I click on one and then 
I just assume that's the one that's done and I keep on going, but two of them side by side seems unusual. But anyways, my apologies. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. Hey, Craig. Um, I know I just listened to um, your podcast and I know you said this, this wouldn't happen and it probably wouldn't. And that is Rogers coming back to the Packers, right? Let's say the deal for the Jets falls through and he just wants to stick it to us by coming back to us. Yeah. And uh, I know that sounds like that would never happen, but he also kind of is coming out of retirement uh, in his mind. He said he was 90% retired and he's coming out just because he's pissed at us. So uh, he knows we we wouldn't want him back, so he might do it just to spite us. But doubtful. But if he does, I would agree. I don't think we change course uh, that, uh, that Jordan's going to start. We did that with Brett as well as saying, no, you're not even competing with Aaron. Aaron's our starter. Um, but if, uh, I wouldn't even want him on the bench though, right? I mean, we don't want him holding the clipboard just because of the poison that could be happening in the locker room. And, um, again, undermining potentially Jordan's love, loves leadership. So if he didn't retire, um, I keep hearing that we could trade him somewhere else later. Um, or, um, what happens if you just cut him? I mean, I know he's under contract and I guess maybe you eat all that. Um, and maybe the risk is you cut him and someone else gets him and you get nothing for him. But again, I, I certainly wouldn't want him uh, probably around at this point. So love what he did for us, respect all that. But, uh, where we're at in the process, it doesn't seem like, uh, like we'd, uh, we'd want him in, in the building per se. So I didn't know what, uh, what, uh, if, uh, cutting's an option and, and what the risks are or the cost of that is. Anyway, talk to you later. Yeah, cutting is 100% out of the equation. Um, I'm not positive, but I think it's $100 million this year if we cut him. So we would be massively negative, right? He goes up to 40, and we're at, like, I don't even know how much money. Not not a ton, like 20, 15, somewhere in their range. Um, if that goes up an additional $60 million, we're like $40 million in the hole that we got to come up with. So there's there's no chance of that. I hadn't really considered the extra lever that we would have which is kind of interesting in terms of leverage with the new york jets and that is even if he doesn't play week one we still have his contract so what so what you know i mean well actually no that's not true because we'd have to pay him we'd have to give him the 60 million at that point i was gonna say you're right because we could just trade him anyways and then somebody else's quarterback gets hurt etc etc but yeah that that once that 60 million hits now we're on the hook. And actually, I think that would function the exact same as if he were to be cut. So if we were to give him the 60 and then trade him, it would be $100 million. And we could spread that out, but it would be like $35 million this year and then 65 next year, something like that. So a $65 million cap hit. Now, the, the, here's the positive, if there were a positive. And if, if Gutekunst wanted to be all big brain about it and say, hey, I think we could weather a $65 million storm. Do you have any idea what that compensation would be if you just basically remove the $60 million from that contract? It goes from $60 million for Rodgers down to $15 million for Rodgers. Well, 15.8, so 16, let's call it. I'm saying if that was even slightly feasible, not, not, not ideal, but if you think about it, if you can get a bunch, let, let's say we get 13 and next year's first, and then we get like... Both of this year's seconds and next year's second or something. Something crazy. Two firsts and three seconds. 
and you say, yeah, but there's a really big cap hit, and we're screwed next year. Okay, you're screwed for one year, but you got two firsts and three seconds, and those players are not going to be there just for one year. You're talking about guys like Rashawn Gary. You're talking about guys like Elton Jenkins. Yeah, they're not all going to hit, but if, if, if we get five picks and three of them hit, and they play for seven, eight, nine years, I would take a one-year hit. See, I, I feel like my brain works the exact opposite of most fans. Most fans are sacrifice the future for the present. I don't want to give up this year. If I could sacrifice an entire season at the altar to get additional picks that are going to turn into who knows how. And yeah, it's, it's five picks minus what we would have got anyways. But let's say it's like two seconds. Okay. So we end up with an additional two firsts and a, and a second. That's kind of a big freaking deal. Now, I'm not talking about such a hit that we got to get rid of guys that we otherwise would like, oh, gee, I guess Rashawn's got to go, like that kind of crazy stuff. No. But if it just means we got to cut the fat, and I guess David Bakhtiari's gone, and, you know, maybe Jones, although I don't think we can even do that, is gone, or what, whatever, stuff like that, guys that are going to be here for maybe one more year or suddenly not going to be here for this one more year, whatever, dude. It's not going to happen because the number's stupid. 65 million. And by the way, I don't know exactly how this works, and I'm sure there's language in the contract that somewhat di- dictates this, along with you know rules in the CBA and all kinds of stuff that I'm not necessarily aware of. But the big clog in this whole machine is the $60 million. Aaron Rodgers wants to come back and prove something, right? I've talked about this before. His, his incentive, it's not the money. He doesn't need the money. He can walk away from the money. He's ready to retire. Doesn't, he doesn't need the money. He's been blessed beyond blessed. It doesn't matter. It's not about the money. Okay. Why don't you decline a portion of that? Why don't you renegotiate it down? Not convert it so that you end up getting the money anyways, but it looks fancy. Looks like you did something when you didn't. Turn $60 million into $20 million. Or Maybe the Packers and Jets still won't be able to come to a conclusion, but I'm just saying, maybe bring Rodgers to the table and say, look, I know this isn't about money for you. The Packers and I have come to an agreement that if you're willing to do this, then we would pay this and they would pay this and we're all good to go. Maybe the Packers would even just eat the whole thing. You drop it down to 20 Packers will pay the bonus and trade you, and we'll take you for 15. We end up paying, what, 35 and 30 or something? Again, maybe that's not an option, depending on how the contract is written, depending on the CBA rules. And But I, I, I would assume if the player and the Packers agreed, they would be allowed to renegotiate that portion of the contract. But I don't think that's going to happen. And it's for that reason, not saying he's doing this, but I don't want to hear any kicking and screaming from Rodgers about, oh, the stupid Packers or... Oh, it's all about compensation. I thought it was about doing something right by me. Really? Mr. I took a contract and shoved it up every Packer fan, every GM, every everybody's everything. Just shoved it right up in there. I got ink coming out of my eyeballs from this freaking contract. Mr. Team-Friendly Contract, give me a break. This thing is a freaking disaster. And it's clogging up everything. So... I don't want to hear any crying about, oh, I thought they cared about me. What was compensation? Yeah, you don't even care. All you care about is what you get in return. Why don't you grab a wad of hundreds and dry your tears, bud? Out of my face. But no, I just, I, I, I think the options are what the options are. We, we, we got to dump them before that date. Jets need them before that date. Just got to figure it out, man. You know? Again, I'm all for maximum compensation, but at this point, if they're offering two seconds, just freaking do it. Just do it. You guys crush second-round picks, okay? It'll be fine. What are you going to do with 13 anyways? What's, what's so great about 13? Not getting Bijan. The wide receivers aren't that good. Not getting a tight end at 13. Corner, maybe. With a spoon? I don't know. I'm just saying. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. 
Please also check out FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey, Ryan, you're uh, talking about Pat McAfee right now. You know what he reminds me of lately? He's like the, he reminds me of the mad money guy from back in the day. Talking <laughs> about stocks. The question mark guy? That's Pat McAfee, except he's talking about football instead. Um, and then Nate, I don't know. You, maybe it seems like you need to relax a little bit, man. <laughs> maybe send me your Venmo. I can send you some money for a six-pack or... You need to do one of Aaron Rodgers' Zen retreats, you know. You can do whatever he goes and does up on the mountain and stuff. It's going to be okay. got to not let the social media people get under your skin so much. I think, I think it's the minority. They're just a loud minority. Uh, but anyway, go back to it. I wonder what a drunk Nate would be like. Could you imagine that? Getting that dude liquored up. Get some whiskey in him, you know. Something makes him angry. Tequila, whatever it is. Your th- whiskey was my thing. Made me angry. But whatever it is, you know. A little, little rum or something. I can't even imagine what that call would sound like. I'd like to know, but I, I, I'm struggling to imagine it. Hey, Ryan, I really wish you'd stop talking about Culver's. Uh, Sorry, we do dude. We have Culver's in Virginia. Oof. So I think Culver's, if you're listening, you should sponsor Ryan and start opening restaurants in Virginia. Trevor, if you can get Culver's to sponsor this podcast, I will personally deliver you Culver's. I don't know how that works. You know, fries probably not so good, but you know we'll do some. We'll do a flash freeze of some of their burgers and their custard and stuff. Get some cheese curds. Get it sent out to you. I'm sure it'll be fine. That that will be my gift to you if Culver's decides to uh, sponsor this show. When I was up in Wisconsin earlier this year, we were there for like five days, and I ate at Culver's at least three times. Yeah, it is amazing. It is way better than any 
of your other chain fast food. Oh, it's not close. That we have down here. So, yeah, every time you talk about it, it makes me want Culver's, and then I can't have Culver's, and it's depressing. So, I'm trying to. Anyway, that's all I had. I'm Go trying back. to figure out. Go back. I'm trying to figure out um, what would be like a close second to a Culver's burger. Wendy's is dope. I like Wendy's. I do. Get those greasy triples, you know? I just, I, I appreciate that. Um, Hardee's is actually a delicious burger. I mean, there's good burger places, but as far as like multi-state chains and stuff, Culver's is just kind of on its own tier, I think. I think that's kind of an underrated thing as far as uh, food in different regions is Wisconsin and burgers. Like legitimately delicious burgers up here. Not only is Culver's a Wisconsin thing, but you got Cops, you got Sollies, you got Oscars makes a pretty good burger. I like Oscars. There's those places down in Kenosha. There's a couple of those burger shacks that are pretty good. Not great barbecue, not the best pizza. Not saying there's no good ones. There's some, you know, apparently some good barbecue like down over where half Mexican lawyers. I got to go check that out sometime. I'm just saying, generally speaking, not a barbecue place, not a, not a pizza place, but dude, burgers and ice cream. I, I I don't know where, where where could it possibly be better, and don't even say California with that nonsense. I forgot what I know. There's three guys and then there's another one. I don't remember which one's which, but I remember somebody from somewhere went to like a three guys or so. It was one of the like making fresh stuff, like making the potatoes fresh right there and stuff. And um, they tried it, and they're like, "This tastes exactly like a McDonald's cheeseburger." <laughs> so it's like, there's no way in the world that competes with a Culver's cheeseburger. It just doesn't. It can't. Aside from that, dude, I make some wicked burgers. So you come up to Wisconsin, come to my place, I'll blow your freaking mind with a cheeseburger. I don't have pizzas down. I don't have ribs down. I don't even have pulled pork down, even though I've made some decent pulled pork. But a burger? <sighs> mess around with burgers, man. There's basically three kinds that I really, really like and appreciate. Smash burgers. Obviously, that's what Culver's does. That's why they're better than everybody else's. Smoke burgers, which I always thought of as just grilled, but apparently it's not because grill would be more like you put it over the flame. I always do indirect and then sear it, which would be a smoked burger, which I saw a burger show they were talking about, like how that's making a comeback. Like that's like people do that now. It's more of a pop. I'm like, I don't know. I just thought that was grilling burgers. I didn't really think about it. I pretty much cook everything indirect on my Weber. I do not cook direct over flame. I don't see the point of doing that. And then sous vide, which dude, getting that perfect end to end temperature. And then you just take it out to the, you let it, you can let it cool too or whatever if you want, but you get it seasoned up real nice. You take it outside to the grill and then you can just put it right over the flame, get that grill taste and flavor. But man, just, a, you, I mean, you could do a, a two pound burger if you want. And it would be a perfect medium rare, medium, medium well, whatever you eat all the way through. Sous vide is magic and it makes some good burgers. I'm telling you. <sighs> Anyways. Hey Ryan, Goose here. Hey Goose. Just calling with some thoughts on the, uh, Rogers situation. Okay. And in fact, we haven't had a trade yet. Sounds good. And people are starting to get a little bit nervous in the Packers camp and in the Jets camp. They're trying to lie to themselves and say, oh, they have other options and they don't need Rogers. And it's better for them to have their picks, which they might be right. But the fact is that that organization is desperate to have Rogers. Mm-hmm. And Packers fans, we don't need to be nervous. If Goo is willing to sit there with the chance that this deal could fall through, it means that 
the Packers already have plans in place and are comfortable with whatever outcome may be. If Rodgers doesn't get traded and he retires, I think they're just as happy with that as if they trade him. And if Rodgers tries to come back, I think they've got a plan in place for that. And they're not worried about it. So we don't need to be worried about it. And what the Jets need to know is that they want Rodgers. They've got to be paying the price that the Packers have set forth. And that's the only way they're getting Rodgers. Goody might come down a little bit. But I guarantee you he's not going to take more than a 10% loss on whatever value he thinks he should be getting for Aaron Rodgers. So relax, guys. I am sure Goody's got this. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you have to assume that um, Gutekunst really wants this. He wants the picks. He wants the compensation. Um, and he certainly wants to be rid of Rodgers in the contract. So th- there's certainly a delicate balance between, um, you know, being a strong negotiator and not wanting to back down and getting the value that, that your product is worth. And at the same time, being a good GM in getting this deal done, you know, because that's another part of this. It's one thing to be able to hold your ground, which is great. But ultimately, if you don't get the deal done and we are stuck with Rodgers and his contract and we get zero compensation, you didn't get the deal done. Saying no to a bad deal is just half the equation. Getting them to say yes to the good deal, that's the other part of the equation of being a good negotiator. So uh, we know he can do the first one. We saw good results with Devante where he got exactly what he wanted. But it seems to me that that was all just leverage with him just saying, I'm not answering the phone. And then eventually they called and were like, all right, we'll do it. Can you sweet talk him? Can you get the deal done? Can you do it? We'll see. Yo, Baghdadi, it is Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm going back and I'm watching CJ Stroud now again. Yeah. Um, because I just want to compare him after I did I did some price seven analysis. And... I've just got, I gotta say, there, you, you cannot convince me that Bryce Young is a better quarterback. You can't. CJ Stroud looks like an NFL ready quarterback right now. Right now. Right now, right now. You give him a playbook, you, as long as he can learn that playbook, he can make all of the throws, he's got the footwork, he's got the arm, he's got the zip on the ball, he, he knows where, you know, to place the ball. Yeah. I'm just I'm going back and watching film and I don't see I don't see what anything that I don't like and and even the biggest thing is CJ Stroud could run the football but on top of that man he does not just always run the football he he, he evades out of the pocket keeps his head up downfield sees pressure before it even has a chance to get in there and and he just he makes magic happen CJ if if you are the Carolina Panthers and you do not pick CJ Stroud to tell you right now, you are stupid. So <laughs> stupid. Stay away from Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, QB1, market here first. Do you agree? Go Petco. I do actually. So a couple things. Number one, stay tuned tomorrow for more uh, insights on Jersey Mike and uh, the, the quarterback situation. Um, so I, I did start a mock draft, and one of the things that sucks about me doing mock drafts is I don't do it like most people do it. 
I get way too invested on making the perfect pick, which is why it always got so frustrating because I would put in a, just a stupid amount of work and then I'd make a pick and I'm not kidding. It would take sometimes days. And, and when I say days, I mean, I've, I started it. I think I got three picks in maybe. And then I was like, all right, I need to take a break and I haven't been back since that's, we got a long way to go to get through all these teams and everything else. But long story short, I did settle on C.J. Stroud with the number one pick. Not based on my own personal film analysis or anything like that. Um, I actually probably should go back and watch those guys again. Just out of curiosity, because again, it becomes one of those things where you kind of use shorthand and kind of remember this, that, or the other. Plus, there's the Jordan Love thing where, if I'm being honest, for the same reasons I said Jordan Love is garbage. Actually, I think I said he reminds me a lot of uh, Mitch Trubisky. Um, it was based on, I watched one game and was like, all right, that guy sucks. And I moved on. Right. That's what I did with Stroud. That's what I did with Bryce Young. That's pretty much what I did with, well, Will Levis, although it was kind of like he checked a lot of boxes, but the bad was really bad. And then it was the same with, um, uh, the other guy, hyper athletic. What's his name? Anthony Richardson. I got all hyped up about him. Cause like, what if dude, it's crazy. And then you watch him play as a quarterback and it's like well that's a disaster so but probably should go back and check some more things on those guys i think the the other bad thing too is lately what i've been doing is starting at the top like show me your best game and if i don't like your best game it's like eh, that's rough hey ryan jersey mike again um i just i gotta i gotta say this because i mean we've had this conversation already we have um Darnell Washington, let's talk about it. Obviously, there was the news that the Packers had a meeting with him. Yeah. He was in Wisconsin. Yes. And the Packers have been meeting with all the players, sure. But here's the deal, right? Mercedes Lewis is a free agent. And I believe in order to run this Matt LaFleur offense, we need two types of tight ends. Number one, the most important tight end is the third lineman tight end. You need a Mercedes Lewis. I, I literally don't know of another tight end in the NFL right now that you could classify as a, a, a an extra lineman. Sorry, did I say third lineman before? I don't even remember. But but third the extra lineman, I started leaning on the outside. Yeah. The, no, I get you. I got you. Center, the guard, the tackle. Then Technically still anyway, two because he would be on the outside. And tackle that's what we need for this Matt LaFleur offense. We need a blocking tight end, right? So I'm thinking about it, and I'm watching tape. Again, I'm watching, I just like watching tape. It's draft season, baby. Um, but I'm watching tape, and I'm watching Georgia's offense because I was trying to get a look at Stetson Bennett because he's just interesting. Um, he's a he's a wacky quarterback. I really would like him on the Packers um, just simply to learn under Jordan Love. He's got some accuracy issues, and he's got some, some, some serious issues. With, but anyway, Darnell Washington, he is the, he is the running offense. I mean, you've got – You've got guys like Roderick Jones, right, who we're, we've been discussing, like, are, are we looking at a tackle in the draft and Roderick Jones could be a, a, a perfect option. And he looks really good. But when Georgia is running the football, Darnell Washington is the reason they run the football well. I am watching the game with them against Tennessee, and Tennessee has arguably the best run defense in the NCAA. I, I think that was what, what some people were arguing at, at least at this point in the season that I'm watching. Um, and and so I'm watching Jordan's offense, and Tennessee is most definitely doing their work, 
But every time, every time Georgia moves the ball on a run, any time Stetson Bennett runs the ball, Darnell Washington is in there clearing space. He's a man mover. And even when he doesn't have a good base, he just moves people. He just throws them. I mean, we saw how he threw the sled at the combine. Yeah. So if I'm buying good goods, and, and I think that this is what's going to happen, Darnell Washington is going to be our first pick in the draft. I'm, I'm putting a bet on it right now. I think you should too. Go, Pat, go. Yeah, so I'm going to see if I can find that game right now just because I'm curious because, um, well, first of all, because I'm paying for this and I need to start using it. So I got Auburn, Florida in 2020, Ohio State 2022, and Oregon 2022. Um, I, I think you do bring up a good point, though, as far as although the most coveted tight ends are the Kittles, Right, the, the the receiving types. There's also more of them, which is kind of odd because you would think supply and well, I guess, I guess that would be the demand part, which which actually kind of works in our favor because nobody really wants those. But anyways, you're right. If, if we wanted to, let's say we wanted to spend a billion, let's say we got a billion dollars and they're going to let us spend it, and we can get it whatever tight end we want. We can get receiving tight ends. They're out there. Dalton Schultz was available, right? Don't know how he's going to pan out and all that stuff, but that's the point. He's he's that dude. He's out there. Every year you got those guys, right? Jimmy Graham was available. All these guys are always available. When was the last time a Mercedes Lewis type prospect was available? Was it the last time Mercedes Lewis was available? I mean, probably not, but kind of, right? And if Lewis is gone, you know, they just don't make them like that. Now, I'm still of the opinion it's probably not going to happen, um, I don't think we would take him at 13 or 15. I don't think he makes it as far back into the second round. He seems to me to be a late first round guy, which is not where we want to be. And do I want to trade, you know, uh, I mean, m- maybe, you know, if we're talking about getting the Jets second round or second round picks, one or one or two of them, uh, if you package that with a third, maybe you can go up and get him, kind of thing. But I don't know. I, I also think aside from not really being in a position to get him, there are questions about, I think, just overall value. Again, I, I, I understand what you're saying about you need guys like that, but I, if I had to put money down today, you know, Matt LaFleur was asked a question, which tight end is most important? You know, your, your H-back, your in-line, and your, your sort of slot receiver type. And he put that in a sealed envelope, and they put a gun to my head, and they said, get it right or you're gone. I'm probably going the receiving tight end. I might be wrong, and I wouldn't feel super great about it, but it just seems like even in that scheme, it just means that we happen to like those guys more than everybody else, but that doesn't mean they're more important. right? We value running backs more than most teams, but I would be willing to bet we also value wide receivers more than running backs. And then there are some pretty serious character issues. Now, we brought him in, which means he's not completely off the board. You're not going to bother if you've already written him off based on the things he's done in the past, but um, there are videos floating around of him um, hitting coaches or hitting his coach on the field. There are also some other pretty interesting situations with him and his quote-unquote mentor, and the guy seems like he might be a nut job, so there's kind of a question of how involved in in your life is this guy going to be when you leave Georgia and come over here. You know, think about Jordan Love, how he's got his, his mentor, who's his quarterback coach and all that stuff, but he's a really good influence. It's kind of like that, but the guy's a psychopath. And, he, and you know, when you look at 
you know, guys from Georgia who have these kinds of issues. Wyatt, you took a risk, you, you know, getting him. Then you got Quay Walker from Georgia. That dude's punching coaches and trainers. You going to get another guy that's already hit a coach and is a little bit, you know, on the iffy side of things? I mean, how, how many times are we going to push that, that Georgia envelope? We're going to get three different Georgia guys with character concerns, and how much does that bleed into your locker room then? You know, if you have a good culture and you bring these guys in here, you trust it, but what if your culture becomes the Georgia culture? You got Stokes. You got Wyatt. You got Walker. Then you get Washington. A lot of W's. Walker, Wyatt, Washington. That would be a concern of mine if I was, if I was the GM. You know, if we're trying to push our culture a certain way, you get too many of these kinds of guys, and then they start bouncing off each other. They start giving each other bad ideas and are bad influences on each other, and then they start becoming bad influences to the other guys. You got to wonder about that stuff. And, and part of that equation is how are the other guys holding up? You know, has Wyatt been causing any problems? Has Stokes been a problem? Has Quay, I mean, I know Quay's done some stuff off the field, but how has he been in the locker room? You know, I mean, if he's just a film nerd and he comes in and he works out and he encourages people and everything else, you know, I'm not going to say I don't care that he's punching coaches. He didn't do that, but but at the same time, that wouldn't bother me nearly as much. If you're, if you're, if my issue with you is you get too aggressive on the football field, that is significantly better than finding out that you're a bad influence in my locker room because that's, that's a problem that's going to get you off this team. Yeah, you should check out that Oregon game. That's his highest-graded game of the uh, of the season last year, and um, primarily because of his run blocking. He only caught two passes in that game. They're both pretty impressive passes. That's the one where he catches it, breaks a tackle, and then hurdles a guy. That's one of his receptions. But one of the things I like about it is, you know, again, you're not going to get Mercedes or Mercedes Lewis. You're not going to get Darnell Washington five, six, seven, eight receptions in a game, right? Aside from maybe some really rare, weird situation. He's primarily going to stick his nose in and block. But just like Mercedes Lewis, he's also that guy that occasionally, you know, you'll see him come across a formation. And I'll tell you what, these Oregon defenders are scared to death of him. He just absolutely, when he comes across, I'm, I'm scared just watching it. He is a freaking freight train coming across that formation lead blocking. But there's a play I just watched, and this is all 22, but it's 5 minutes 43 in, so I don't know exactly where we're at in this game. About halfway through the game. But he comes across the formation, and I've seen this twice, but there's an edge rusher. Edge rushers aren't scared of tight ends, right? That's where tight ends are mismatched. Tight ends are great against, you know, if a, if a linebacker wants to come down, they're pretty evenly matched. Corners, they just freaking kill a corner. You try to come in here, you're dead. Edge rushers, though, that's where we stick tight ends trying to block, you know, the, these premier edge rushers. And it's like, well, you freaking dummy. Our tackle can't even handle that. Edge rushers are scared of this guy. He's coming across the formation, and an edge rusher's coming in unblocked. He stops, loads up, gets ready for impact, and then tries to lunge... In other words, trying to, like, match that intensity. Like, you want to go, big boy? And he lunges to try to, like, hit him head on to, to, to brace for impact. Well, this is one of those situations where they're slipping him to the outside. So he fakes to block and then slips past him. This Oregon edge rusher looks like such a dummy because he just lunges at air and completely whiffs and falls. He's unblocked. He doesn't need to worry about I mean, his job is to get around Darnell Washington. If he's blocking you, you try to get around him. But he's so concerned about this freaking freight train coming across the formation. That he tries to hit him, whiffs, and just falls. <laughs> when these guys see him coming across the formation, man, they stop dead in their tracks and they brace for impact. And then when he runs past them, they're like, oh, they're, they're completely flat-footed. Like, oh, shoot, he's, ru he's running? And then you got to remember, he's actually pretty quick. This dude is not slow. So it's not like, oh, I can, I can catch up. Mm, I'm thinking, he gone. But I tell you what, he, all, all this guy does is embarrass people. Now, I've, I've used the word before, envelop. That's it. He doesn't block, he envelops. 
he, he is a planet that pulls human beings into his orbit. I mean, his, his, uh, I'm sure you get a bunch of people who watch him go, his technique is garbage. And maybe it is. But it's like me trying to block my youngest child. It's hard to have good form when they're so tiny. You know, like I can't quite get down there and my arms are so long. And that's him. Like he just ra- he wraps his arm, his arms around people and uses his whole body to where you can't even see this human being anymore. And then in just about every single block, he turns him wherever he wants to turn him, and he finishes every single block to where he ends up on top of the guy almost every time. And there's nothing they can do about it. What are they going to do? Get up and fight him? You're dead. That helmet isn't going to save you. This dude takes a swing at you. You're dead. So I can't promise you he's a good football player. He might be a terrible... I mean, he might not even be a good blocker. You get to the NFL and his form is so jacked up and these guys are bigger, faster, stronger. And gonna do, I don't know. But I'm just telling you, I have a lot of fun watching this guy just be bigger, faster, stronger than every human being on the football field. I love seeing not just any old foot... I mean, you when he goes up against corners and stuff, it's hilarious. You almost borderline feel bad for the guys. When you see him come around, the, you know, coming across the formation lead blocking... And he gets out in space and sees a corner and just obliterates the guy and then moves on to the next one and uses one hand to block him also. So he's blocking two guys at once. That's funny and sad and embarrassing at the same time. But to see edge rushers cower, that's a different kind of thing, man. You know, there's, there's the next play in here, they run for a touchdown along the right side. He's blocking this guy number four. And he, he's probably like six foot one. He looks like he's five foot four next to Washington, but I'm guessing he's an inside linebacker. I can't tell. It's goal line formation, so it's not the easiest to tell, but he it, he's not even trying. Darnell Washington's barely using his hands. He just gets inside of the guy, actually lets the guy inside of him. Easy. Take it easy. But he, he easily turns him, right? He turns his back to the sideline, kind of creating that lane behind him just to get into the end zone. He's not even trying. He doesn't care. He's not putting any effort into it. He's looking around like, oh, where's the guy with the ball? Oh, there he goes. Oh, good job. Touchdown, bud. There's no struggle. Never see that video video out there somewhere, I think of Muhammad Ali, uh, some kid gets in the ring with some boxing gloves, boxes Muhammad Ali, you know, Muhammad's putting on a good show, you know, Cassius Clay, you know, his mama call him Clay, I'ma call him Clay. (laughs) But that's what it makes me think of. You know, he's just playing around. It's not a serious thing. Wild. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't want to get too hung up on it because I just, I don't think it's going to be a thing. I don't think we're going to take him that high. I don't think we trade back just for him. I don't think we necessarily trade up for him. If he falls because of character concerns, you know, if he falls to us, why would we take him? You know what I mean? I mean, if he fell that far because of character concerns, then there are character concerns. Meaning if he makes it that far, he'll probably just keep going. But he does check a lot of boxes, man. It's not just, you know, he fits the prototype of a Packers tight end, that Mercedes. I mean, we are the team that... Not only picked him up when it was seen as he was seen sort of as a dinosaur, and nobody wanted that type of tight end anymore. Not only that, but he's a Georgia guy, freakish athlete. I mean, he just every box down the line. It makes sense. Plus, I mean, what what can't he play? You don't generally see him as sort of that slot tight end type. But as big and as fast as he is, you could do it. It might not be his primary thing, but with his at least size and speed, if you if you say he's not a great route runner, fine. But with his size and speed, he could pull it off to some degree. Certainly in line is where you expect him. And then why wouldn't he be able to be an H-back? Certainly could do two out of the three with no problem. There is, a, I think, a high level of versatility with him, even though he's seen as just an in-line guy. And that, again, that's, that makes the most sense. Any whoosie what's it, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic little night. Talk to you tomorrow, maybe. Have a good one. Bye-bye.